Hey, thanks for joining us today on the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. My name is Riley. I'm so glad you're here. Right now, you're jumping into a series with us called Blessings Behind Bars. Blessings Behind Bars. What we're doing in this series is we're taking a look at the book of Philippians in the Bible, and we're seeing what did the author, the Apostle Paul, who was in prison, what was he trying to say to the Philippian church who was being persecuted on the outside? And I feel like every single week what we're seeing is that there is joy flowing out of the Apostle Paul's heart and that there is a hopeful expectation for what God wants to do in the lives of the Philippian church. So today we're jumping into Philippians chapter 1 verse 8 for a message that I'm calling the divine reorientation of our affections. Kind of a mouthful. But I feel like God has a word to say about our affections. And just to get things started, I want to ask you, what model of affections did you have growing up? Did you see passive aggressiveness in your home? Did you see quick conflict resolution with your friends? Did you see people taking advantage of each other on TV or hurting one another in movies? What, what kind of affection was presented to you? And I believe that taking a look at that is really important because the models of connection and relation that we see growing up inform the modes of affection that we use today. Whatever model you saw, that is the mode that is kind of in your heart for today. And I believe that Paul, man, he grew up with a very specific example of affection set in front of him. He was a man who grew up holding to the law of God, so much so that he became very zealous for it to where he would actually go out and persecute and try to stop and would eventually kill anyone who maybe lived out the commands of God differently than him. He was all about preserving what he believed was the best way to live out the gospel or whatnot. He wouldn't call it the gospel, the law of God. And so he had this affection, zealousness for God's law and hated and killed people who thought differently. But Paul had this really amazing experience with Jesus where Jesus came and met him on the road as he was going out to persecute more Christians. And through that experience, his affections were forever changed. And so I just want to read to you this verse that really shows us that Paul's affections had been changed by Jesus, and then we'll get right into it. Philippians 1 verse 8 says this, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with what? The affection of Christ Jesus. Let's check this out. ever had an affection for something or someone and then had some kind of experience that totally changed that previous affection? I remember when I was younger, I used to be so into magic tricks. I just loved them so much. I'd watch performers on TV. I'd go to the magic shop in a Cannery Row, Monterey called Zucchinis and I'd buy cards. I'd buy weird looking eyeballs. I'd, I'd buy like the little fire tricks and the little like all the, the kind of weird stuff that you would associate with magic tricks. I was into it. That was my scene. I loved it until 
I went to middle school and someone introduced me to something that I'll never ever forsake and that is the skateboard. I love skateboarding. When somebody showed me skateboarding and how to ollie, how to go downstairs, how to kickflip, all that kind of stuff, my world was forever changed. My community was forever changed. And the way that I approached even walking on the sidewalk changed forever. I used to love magic tricks, but when I was exposed and had an experience with skateboarding, I just never looked back. And I have to say that because, you know, in the, the verse that we read just now, it's a little bit ago, Paul had an affection for the law of God that caused him to hurt and kill Christians. But then Jesus encountered him, transformed him, and then his affections totally changed. He was a brand new man. He now loved the kingdom of God. He loved the church. So what we see in that is that God's not really in the business of just removing our affections. He's not into just removing that energy, that love, that zeal. You know, he's not trying to squash all that, but he is trying to reorient those affections. He's not trying to remove, he's trying to reorient. And that's what we see in the life of Paul. And I believe that God wants to do the same thing in your life and my life today. But how does he do it? I believe there's two things that we see from this verse about the way that Jesus really transforms our affections. The first thing is this. I think that Jesus will change the way that you show affection. He'll change the way you show it. Check out what Paul says here. He's got to actually like give some kind of like backup for what he's about to say to the church. So he says, look, I'm about to tell you how much I love you and care for you, but let me just state this. For God is my witness. For God is my witness. This is how we see that his affections had changed. He's like, look, I got to just tell you what I'm about to say. It's real. It's not baloney. I mean it. For God is my witness. Paul wasn't swearing here, but he was making himself accountable to God in this moment. Because Paul, like we said earlier, he wasn't very affectionate and loving and compassionate towards Christians for his whole life. In fact, he lived a lot of his life hating Christians. But his life had transformed, and now he's like, look, for God is my witness, I'm about to tell you how much I love you. And he says, I yearn for you all. In the Greek, this word yearn literally means to just intensively crave. Have you ever had an intense craving? I, I haven't really been addicted to anything in my life. I'm, I feel like God has spared me from a pretty addictive personality. I, I don't have that. But I know friends and family who really wrestle with addiction and have an intense craving for a substance or relationship or something like that. Maybe you come from, from a background of addiction and maybe this means a lot for you. You're like, I get what it means to intensely crave. I kind of just grew up a bit asleep to my desires and cravings. That's a whole other story that I can unpack with a therapist in the future. But what Paul is saying here is that I yearn for you all. I intensely crave you. At one time, I wanted to kill you, but now I just, I just want to be with you. I just long for you. You're not just my friends. You're the people who make me feel whole. 
he's saying, I'm not the same without you. These are the people who would support Paul, would love him, and would be there with him through every single thing. They would suffer with him. They would go through the transformation process with them. He says, I yearn for you all. As God's my witness, I yearn for you all. This is how his affection has changed. Jesus has done, it, has done this. He has transformed Paul from the inside out. But not only did he change the way that you know, Paul showed his affection, that he didn't change that there just was a different kind of affection, but number two, he informed the way that Paul showed his affection. This is really important because it's one thing to have your affections change. It's a whole other thing to know how to live out that affection in a healthy kind of way. But this is what's amazing about this word affection. The affection word that Paul uses here literally means the bowels of someone's body. The bowels of someone's body. The King James Bible, I don't really read the King James that often, but the translation here is so good. I have to just read it to you. This is how the King James says this verse, or at least this portion of the verse. It says, I greatly long for you with the bowels of Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? What Paul is saying is like, dude, I I love you guys with my guts. Like some people say, I love you with all my heart. You know, it's so romantic. I, with everything that's inside of me, I love you. And Paul's like, let's just get real for a second. I love you with the stuff inside my guts. Like what the, the way my body processes and digests, like the thing that keeps me going and alive, like I love you with that. I love you not just with my guts, but with the guts of Jesus Christ. I hope this isn't sounding too gross to you right now, but he's saying, look, I'm just owning it. I love Jesus and I am loving you with the bowels, with the guts, with the insides of Jesus. Now, I don't think Paul is trying to be gross here at all. He's not trying to be provocative necessarily in that kind of sense, but I think what he's trying to communicate is that he is loving and yearning. He's craving the Philippian church with everything that is inside of him. with every, And not just that, but with everything inside Jesus. He sees Jesus, the perfect savior of the world, the one who loved the church way more than Paul could have ever loved them. Jesus, the one who gave himself for the church more than Paul could ever give of himself. Jesus, the perfect son of God, the, the forgiver of sins. Paul says, man, I, I love you with that love. As much, I think that he's just trying to say, I can't love you anymore. I can't give you anymore. I, I'm, I wanna give you everything from me. This is huge to me because what we see here is that Paul had this encounter with Jesus and his affections were forever changed. Now, I think about the church today, and I wonder, man, are we all living that kind of love in our lives today? Do we really have this affection, this, this kind of bowel love? Do we, do we really cherish and crave the church like Paul did? If I'm being honest, like I, I don't love the church the way he does. I don't love the church like Jesus does. 
I've been crazy convicted, honestly, reading this one verse this whole week because of this. You know, I feel like for me in my life, I spent a lot of my 20s tolerating the church, tolerating people with different beliefs than me, tolerating people who were older than me that I feel like didn't understand me, tolerating people who were younger than me who I felt like were living their lives crazy and I didn't like the way they lived their lives. If I'm just being honest, I felt like I just had to get through this thing called the church. And it wasn't something that I love. I was like, I love Jesus, but man, the bride, the church, she's hard for me to love. It's hard for me to get behind it sometimes because I feel like I don't share all the same beliefs. I don't share all the same struggles. I don't feel like I share the same experience even. It's just hard for me to love them. So I'll just tolerate them. And maybe you feel like that a little bit. Maybe your experience with the church has been a bit difficult. Maybe you don't really crave the church at all. Maybe it's a chore for you to get to see the church family. Maybe they don't feel like family to you. Maybe they don't feel like friends to you. Maybe it all just feels like some kind of ruse to make your Christian life seem like it's going the way you feel like it should be going. I want to encourage you, man, that when you have a real, authentic experience with Jesus, you cannot leave with the same affections that you came into that experience with. Jesus will not let you remain in those that tolerating kind of lifestyle. He wants to radically shift and shape your affections to love the church, to love the bride of Christ. This is what God is looking to do inside of your life. My encouragement for you, if you haven't developed that love for the church yet, I'd really ask you, like, well, what has your experience been with Jesus? What has he really done in your life? What has he shown you? What is it about his life, about his ministry, about what he did on the cross that really deeply impacts your soul? If you can't answer that question, then maybe you haven't had an authentic encounter with Jesus. Maybe you have had an authentic encounter, but maybe just over the years, over the months, over the news cycles, over the presidential elections, over all the things, maybe just kind of through everything that's may occurred up till now, maybe the, the affection has just grown dim. And that's true too, right? Like maybe you've had an experience with God and you're like, man, I love Jesus and I am about the church. Like, let's go church. I'm, a, I'm into the kingdom. Let's see people saved for the world, man. Let's, let's see God do something brand new. Let's see revival. But maybe as life has gone on, maybe as you've experienced loss, maybe as the church has judged you incorrectly, maybe as you know, you've had friendships in the church and those things have fallen off, maybe your love for the church has also fallen off. I'll be honest, the church isn't perfect. It's not easy to do life with the church. I know that firsthand. It's not the most, it's just not the easiest experience. You're dealing with all kinds of different people from all different kinds of backgrounds with all different kinds of emotions and personalities and bents. But what God is looking to do in your life 
is to restore you and to reorient your affections because you may come from experience that has been hard. Maybe you are healing from what you've gone through in your experience with the church. God's looking to meet with you again. He didn't just mean to meet with you years ago or months ago or days ago. He's looking to meet with you today. Have you met with him today? Have you been vulnerable before him? Have you been humble before him? Have you laid out your desires, your concerns, your worries and anxieties before him? Have you said, God, this is my heart and I trust you. And have you allowed him to really get into your life? Jesus wants to do it again and again and again and again. This experience of having your your affections reoriented, you know, I believe that it, it happens in a moment, but it might need to happen continually, continually, depending on your stage of life and what's happened in your church experience. But God is always looking to transform your life. He is not done with you yet. Just as we see with Paul here, man, he was in prison. He could have very easily let his experience in prison totally, man, jade his experience of the Christian life. He could be like, well, whatever, this whole Christian faith, like if I'm getting thrown in prison, like I don't want anything to do with this. If I have to lose my house, if I have to lose my reputation, if I have to lose relationships because of the Christian faith, like, man, I'm not doing it right. Maybe it's not worth it. Maybe I should have never done it in the first place. But he didn't have any of that stuff. He just said, look, God has been faithful. Jesus has shown himself to me. I've been forgiven. I've been made a new man. I've been given new responsibilities to love and build and protect the church. So church, I love you. I am craving you with the guts inside of me, with my heart, with everything. I love you. I believe Paul is being ministered to in a powerful way through his prison experience. And it's gushing out in this letter. But to really understand what Paul was doing in this moment, I think it's important to know the ministry that he experienced from Jesus into his own life. Like, yes, Paul believed that he was forgiven. He had these experiences with Jesus. Jesus changed his heart and made him a loving, compassionate person. But like, what was it about the ministry of Jesus to Paul that really did cause this kind of transformation? You know, when you look at commentaries and kind of supporting scripture, you don't really read about the affection of Jesus. You just don't really. I looked at a few commentaries. I'm sure there's some that I didn't see that may elaborate on this, but you just don't see much more about the affection of Christ. It seems seems like this is one of the really only moments in scripture that we read about where someone is talking about the affection of Jesus in this kind of way. But I believe that Jesus showed his affection in some wild and intense kind of ways. And I believe that as we reflect on this, maybe he'll kind of show you what he wants to do in your life in a fresh way. Because these truths that we're about to look at, these things I believe Paul was ministered to personally by Jesus, they're evergreen truths. They're not things that you graduate from. They're not things you can just look over as a Christian. These are the truths that light up our hearts 
for Jesus. These are the things that when they get inside of us, they cannot leave us the same. So these are the three ways that I believe Jesus really showed his affection. And I believe that these are some of the ways that Paul's heart was, was impacted by. The first is this. Jesus showed his affection through service. What I mean by that is that Jesus got relationship with us between us and the Father. He connected us to the Father. That was a service work. That was something he did out of the pure kindness of his heart and the obedience of God the Father. This is what God was looking for as he sent Jesus to this world was that he would do the reconciling work on the cross to make relationship between us sinners and God the Holy One accessible. In John 14, 7, before Jesus goes to the cross, he looks at his followers and says, this, this, is, this, this is the service of Jesus right here. If you really know me, he says, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and see him. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, if you know me, you'll know my Father. If you know me, if you see me, you will see him. What Jesus is saying is like, look, this is my service to you, that I'm making myself accessible to you so that you can know God the Father. If you follow me, if you look to me, if you serve me, if you come into a relationship with me, then I will serve you by connecting you to God the Father. This is, this is the affection of Jesus. Maybe you're someone who really shows your affection through acts of kindness, and this makes total sense to you. You're like, oh yeah, this is the greatest love language ever, that Jesus would connect me to God the Father, that he'd make a way for me to know God. That makes sense to me. That is a powerful truth that Jesus serves us in this kind of way. But maybe your love language, you know, maybe isn't service. It's not acts of kindness as much. Maybe it's through the sacrifice that someone does for you. Well, Jesus shows us his affection also through his sacrifice. This is the second way that we see his affection. How do we see it? We see it as he gave himself up for us on the cross. Jesus sacrificed everything, his body, his relationship with the Father. He sacrificed everything for us upon that cross. This is what we read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 10. The author says, And by that will that Jesus had, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once and for all. This is what the sacrifice of Jesus has done for us. When he went to the cross, when he gave his body as that living sacrifice, as that pure lamb, he made a way for us to become holy. Isn't that beautiful today? That Jesus has given his life for you in your place so that by having faith in him, you can now be made holy before God. Jesus didn't only serve us to open up connection between us and God, but he sacrificed himself 
so that we can be holy before a holy God. The channels have been open and the, 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 the holiness has been shared through Jesus. That's one way he shows affection. But he also shows, and this is our last thing, he also shows us his affection through salvation, through service, through sacrifice, and through salvation. He gave himself for us through his life and through his resurrection. Check out what the book of 2 Corinthians says. This is, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Jesus has made a way for us to experience salvation. That, that word that means that we have been saved. We have been bought with a price. We are no longer under the thumb of fear and sin and death. In Jesus' economy, we have been made rich with life. He has given us eternal, everlasting life with God in heaven, and he is calling us towards that home when we eventually leave our bodies here on earth and join him in that new perfect heaven and earth. Jesus has made a way for us to experience resurrection, not just in our future bodies that he will give us, which he will, but today. You and I can be made new creations today. The old things have passed away. Our old lives, our old habits, our old decision-making processes, they have been put away. New things have come. You in Christ, because you've been saved, you can now enter into this new rhythm of life with Jesus. You can enter into rest. You can enter into peace. You can enter into hope for the future, where the world may be you know, expecting doom and gloom for the future, where there may be fear about what's going to happen in America and to our world. There are some real threats. There are some real things to be concerned about. Don't get me wrong. We got to be conscious of those things, present them to the Lord with faith. But as new creations, we are not a slave to our fear or to our anxiety or to the death that is coming for all of us. Instead, we can choose hope and faith and life in Christ. He has saved us. He has offered us his service by connecting us to God the Father. He has offered us his sacrifice by giving himself up for us on the cross, making us holy. And he has given us salvation. He's given us new life. You today, if you believe in Jesus, you have to believe that he has showed affection towards you in these kind of ways. And now, because of that affection, you are someone who has an open relationship with God. You are now seen as holy in God's presence. And now you are enabled to live life to the fullest today and forevermore because of the life that he has given you. This is a beautiful life that he has given to all of us, and it's all because of his great affections. This is what Paul, when he looked at the church, he said, I want to love you with the affection of Christ. This is it, That love that he wanted to show, 
it's only a shadow of what Jesus showed for you and for me and for Paul and for the church at large. So, you, what are you going to do about this? Will you allow your affections to be changed? Maybe you've been listening to this and you love that Jesus has loved you. And maybe you want to love God back. But maybe your heart and attitude towards the church is still distant. Maybe there's just no real desire for you to enter into relationship with the church. You've just been burned too many times, hurt too many times. It just doesn't feel right, maybe. Maybe you don't feel accepted. I want to encourage you to first go to Jesus. Let his truths about what he's done for you deeply impact your soul. Let his love shape you and transform you. I'm not going to tell you to love the church. What I'm going to tell you to do is just be open to what God may do because I believe that as he gets into your heart, gets into your life, as you receive him and allow him to do that transformational work, that he will then guide you into that love of the people around you and back into the church. You guys, I love you. I wish I could say what Paul said here. I'm trying to grow in that myself, but man, I am about you and I am praying for you and I do love you. And I promise you that as your pastor, I am asking God to grow me into a deeper sense of love and compassion and care for you. So church, go out with the love of God this week and we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here today. Come back next Tuesday for a new episode here of the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. Check the show notes for info about following and interacting with the young adult ministry throughout the week during Shelter in Place. We hope to see you soon.